Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome to the First Cut Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and it, this is, you know, what could be described as the unofficial start of the PGA Tour season. I feel like we have three or four starts to the year, and we're going to break everything betting-wise, fantasy-wise, and everything you need to know for this week. And to do that, I've got Greg Ducharme on the line. First, welcome, Greg. How are you, my friend? Oh man, I'm doing great. I'm so excited for this week. So many different things going on. Not not only at the Farmers Insurance Open, right? But we got the PGA Merchandise Show going on this week. The world of golf is in a in a good place in January. Yeah, this is a really good week um, for for us personally, for the game of golf, for business. Like this is a really fun week. Is this the unofficial start to the PGA Tour season? Like, how do you feel about people saying that? Well, the big dogs are finally out. I mean, you kind of have the centuries kind of a soft start. The wraparound season is, uh, is, is hit or miss, right? You'll have big players will play, but they won't play in groups. So you'll have, you know, one to three big names playing each week. So that is kind of, you know, it does have a big impact on the season, but it doesn't feel like the, the season. And then you get to the Century Tournament of Champions, which is great, but it's in Hawaii and we love covering it. We love talking about it. It's fascinating, but at the same time, it's a limited field event and some guys don't play and, you know, you have some questions. And then, uh, the Sony and, and the American Express tend to take, guys tend to take it off. And, and the big names, which we love talking about here, the guys that we're looking at as major championship contenders, guys that are contending for world number one, their season tends to start right here officially. And after this, it's really, I mean, you, you have tough decisions to make if you want to take a week off after this. Yeah, this this really is what feels like the first time you get the studs at a course that is going to bite back at you, um, which we'll right. talk about in a, in a second. But Greg, you and I haven't had a chance to kind of recap, and we'll do this very quickly. The American Express last week, uh, I mean, Ricky and Siati Scheffler failing uh to to bring that bad boy home after us talking about it uh through 36 holes all of our one and done stuff a little disappointing on that end of it wasn't it yeah i mean we did talk about andrew landry having an advantage on saturday which yeah. proved to be kind of true i mean he kind of had uh, he got himself a little bit of a lead there he, he seemed comfortable he seemed to be in a comfortable spot but the story coming out of that was really to me it was ricky fowler and this just continues on and on and on. It, it, he just, the, the round four scoring average, uh, in, in 2019, he was 123rd. He was inside the top 30 uh, on the other three days and he's 15th overall in scoring average in 2019. I mean, a number of 74s and 76s and 72s and not a lot of numbers in the 60s. Not a lot of great Sunday rounds for him, uh, especially if he's in the final group or the, you know, the final couple of groups. So it's more of the same at a Ricky. I just, 
I want to see more intensity out of him, but this one really broke my spirits with Ricky Fowler. I, I, I've given him a break. I've been, uh, kind of an apologist for him for a while. I know how good he is. I love him, but man, this one really kind of stings. Yeah, seems like same story, just new chapter uh, every time we get to a weekend with with Ricky in contention, unfortunately. So hoping he proves uh, a lot of us wrong uh, moving forward. But the positive side, uh, there's such a great – I don't know if you saw this. There's a great uh, gif that I saw on Twitter of Abraham Answer basically at like 16 or 17 after he flies up the leaderboard on Sunday and he does like a double take at the leaderboard where he looks over his shoulder and then he's like, Oh wait, wait, what? Like I'm like tied for the lead here. It's like such a great little moment. And I thought it kind of really encapsulated, uh, you know, Landry coming back to the field and answer flying up the leaderboard. Yeah, it didn't. I mean, it was a, that's a a perfect way to explain it. I don't think anybody was prepared for that. Well, Andrew Landry, you could say was prepared for that because he, he definitely showed that way, but he had the holes to play. If you're Abraham answer, you're out of the mix. I mean, fast, uh, rewind to the 12th hole and Andrew Landry has just taken a, a six shot lead over Scotty Scheffler, who's in his group, right? And the answer is kind of, nobody's really thinking about it. He's a little ahead. He's at least, I don't even, I can't even tell you where he was. I don't know if he was six back or seven back. I don't know where he was at that time. And then all of a sudden, Landry three putts at 13, misses, misses the greens at 14 and 15, not great chips, and then doesn't get up and down on 16. It almost feels like four bogeys in a row, even though it was really only three. Um, and all of a sudden, Abraham answer makes birdie at 17. It's tied. And you're thinking, this is... This is crazy. And there's no way if you're Abraham Answer you were prepared to play the 18th hole tied for the lead because it just happened so quick. But he did actually, he, he hit a couple of great shots. And, and in the interview afterwards, it sounded like Abraham Answer was upset that he didn't win. Maybe, maybe I'm misreading it and he was saying I, I, I was upset because the, the earlier rounds didn't really go my way. But there was an intensity about Abraham Answer that I noticed. And that's what I want to see out of Ricky Fowler. I want to see that intensity. I want to see Ricky go into an interview and say, Hey, I, I, I'm upset with the way that this went. This isn't good enough for me. Uh, I want to hear a little bit of that emotion. Whether it's positive or negative, it always just seems to be off the cuff, like, yeah, it's fine. Yeah, Ricky is cool uh, and almost too cool, right? Like nothing really yeah. gets – it seems like nothing almost can get him fired up, you know what I mean? Um, which, you know, can be good or bad for your golf game as we all know. But let's turn the page. This week, we've been we've been touting it. It's here, Farmers Insurance Open Tory Pines. Now, Greg, they've got the two courses over there, the north and the south course. So the all, all, every golfer in the field will be playing uh, a round at each of those courses before they head back to the south course, which is the host course for uh, the weekend. So three rounds at the south, one round at the north. Uh, two very different golf courses. What do we know about them? Well, uh, they are definitely different. They are definitely beefed up. Um, and, and they are not easy by any, any stretch of the imagination. I mean, these are, are two golf courses that to me are as close to major championship golf courses as we get without it being a major. And that's probably why we're going to have a major there next year, right? We're going to have yep. the U.S. Open at, at the South Course at Torrey Pines next year in, uh, in 2021. So there's definitely a reason for that. These golf courses are, uh, especially the South Course. It's long. The fairways are narrow. The rough is thick. 
the greens tend to get firm and fast. Uh, you've definitely heard the notion, if you've been listening to any talk about Tory, that all the greens are the same, uh, which is a little bit, there's definitely a little bit of truth to that. So th- these greens basically are, in, they're divided into sections. You're going to have a left hole location, a right hole location, a front and a back, and maybe one additional. Basically, there's five hole locations on every green, and they're all divided by these little ridges. So uh, when they're firm and fast and you're coming in with longer clubs, it's really hard to get the ball into the right section. So when I'm looking at this, I think distance is really important. I do think it's important to hit the fairway. Uh, and I, I think short game becomes really important because greens will be missed on a golf course like this. Well, that's what's interesting. Yeah, Usually when we try to look at key stats, especially for fantasy or for betting purposes, we almost disregard something like strokes gained around the green and, and the, um, the common saying is like, ah, you know, if you have to use that, like if you have to get up and down for par, you're not winning the golf tournament anyway, but that is not the case around here. Like there, par will be a good score, uh, on some of these holes. The, the, the 12th hole on the South course was the second hardest hole on tour last year. If you get out of there with a par, you are in business. So this is, uh, not going to be one of those weeks like we saw last week where you shoot, I don't know, five under on Saturday and you're losing ground on the field. Yeah, and and it really opens up the field to me uh, quite a bit. I think there's an opportunity um, for a number of, of different style players to really succeed here, although distance is important. Um, because it's it's so tough and because the scores aren't going to get so crazy low, it kind of opens it up to a guy like Brant Snedeker who's won here twice. It, it, it opens it up to a player like that if they're really sharp around the greens. They just have to the, – the shorter player, you might call him a short-necked giraffe, if they're going to get around here and have a chance to win, they very well can. They just have to be very sharp off the tee, and the short game has to uh, be really on point. And obviously they have to have a, a really nice putting week. Yeah, and the the South Course is the one we all know. That's the one from the video games. That's the one from the majors. That's the one you saw uh, Tiger and Rocco play the 18-hole playoff uh, on Monday. It's the one where Rom makes eagle from the back of the green um, a couple of years ago to win. Like that's the that's the iconic one. But uh, believe it or not, from experience, the North Course, I'd argue actually more scenic there's like more holes that are cut right on the ocean uh i've been lucky enough to play both of these and this is just a a plot of land uh that i would argue greg is is really second to none you just i mean i've never been on the golf course in person uh i've obviously seen it on tv i've played it on tiger woods the video game (laughs) there you go (laughs) so i i would say i know it well from that uh only the south course uh yeah we there are so many great memories coming out of it but I have been in the area just recently. I was out at, uh, out at TPI there, uh, which is right nearby. And the landscape is dramatic. I mean, it's fantastic. The, the landscape's truly beautiful. So definitely one of the more beautiful spots on tour. But what do you make of the North Course? I, I know the views are great. Uh, but, but do you have any other thoughts on it? Well, it's it's interesting because they've done uh, a, a few renovations to it over the years. I know they've tried to make it more difficult. Now it's still played as the fifth easiest course on tour last year out of 59, so it didn't get that much harder. But I know they've tried to uh, kind of get it a little bit closer to the south course. And and of course, when when we play it, you know, us uh, us peons who they let out there, like the, the, when I've played the north course, the the rough has been 
very short, um, but you're still just required to hit the perfect shot. Like it's so easy to make a bogey on any, you can hit a really good shot. You're one yard too long and you're dead. And then the, the big thing for me, uh, and I actually will kind of uh, relate this to some of the younger guys is these greens are like not only putting on, on glass, Greg, but you know that everything goes to the water, everything goes to the ocean, everything breaks that way, but almost every putt looks like it's not going to, and it still does. It's a, it's an incredibly deceptive putting course, and I I wonder how these young guys like a Colin Morikawa, like a Scotty Scheffler, who don't have a lot of tournament rounds, if any, at Tory under their belt – are going to uh, have to, you know, get a quick crash course on on these greens this week. You're going to have to rely on your caddy a little bit here. A couple of tips, and this will help you out with your game. When you're reading greens, part of the key is you have to look through a, a telescope and a microscope. And I've said that before about a couple of other topics, but especially when it comes to reading greens, you've got to evaluate the entire property. And if you, this is a great tip, when you stand on the green, by the hole, look back at the fairway, and you're going to see it tilt one way or another. And if that fairway tilts to the right, it's likely that the green's going to tilt in the same direction. It may tilt less. And when it tilts a little bit less, sometimes that can give you the, uh, the, the illusion that it's going to break to the right when the whole property goes to the left, for instance. But the, the entire property as a whole is going to, the green's typically going to tilt at least a little bit in that same direction. You see that at Augusta National. You see that all over the place. Um, just simply because of the way the property is built. And, and when you build greens up, you try to keep them, believe it or not, a little closer to flat. So you try to flatten them out. And if you have a 10-degree pitch going down to the left and the green is – it could look entirely flat, it may still have a 2- or 3-degree pitch. And it might, that might give you the illusion that it's actually breaking into the hill. So players will – many of them will know that. Uh, and I think many of them also will have caddies that know that. So uh, – it's definitely a little bit of a learning course to trust that, but I think it's something they've probably seen before at other golf courses. And as ready as these guys are, like a Colin Morikawa, I really think they'll be able to handle it. Well, that is very helpful. I'm taking, uh, I'm scribbling down notes over here. Um, so what we'll do is we're going to take a look at this field, uh, for DraftKings and for betting purposes, uh, through both a telescope and a microscope. But first, let's take a break and hear a word from our sponsors. Did you know that more than 75% of Americans will experience foot pain in their lifetime, but only 10% will seek out a solution for that pain? Those numbers do not add up to me, and I know it can be confusing, the biomechanics of the foot, the bones, the muscles, everything in between, but solving foot pain is simple, and that's where Superfeet comes into play. These Superfeet insoles go into your shoes, give your feet comfort and support where they need it the most, and redistribute the forces that reduce both stress and strain through your entire body, not just your feet. Insoles have been uh, phenomenal for me uh, personally, and they are are clinically proven to decrease fatigue, reduce injury, and improve comfort. I can attest to that myself, especially when walking a, a lot of golf holes that I play. So if you feel good, you play good, you look good, everything works out from there, and it starts from the bottom up. Visit superfeet.com and enter promo code FIRST at checkout for 15% off your first order plus free shipping. And we're back. All right, Greg. So let's jump right into this player field. 
Uh, DraftKings pricing, we can weave in some betting conversation along the way, but there are five golfers priced over ten thousand dollars. This is this is it. This is a star-studded field when you when you talk about one. Rory McIlroy leads the way at eleven thousand six hundred. John Rahm right behind at eleven thousand three hundred. Those two guys are some of the hottest golfers on the planet. Uh, seven-time champion Tiger Woods, 10,800. Defending champion Justin Rose, 10,300. And local boy Xander Shoffley, 10,100 to round out all of those guys who are the betting favorites and the most expensive on DraftKings. I have... Um, been throwing darts all day because I'm having a, a heck of a time deciding between these golfers, and I'm hoping you can help me. Well, I, I don't think you can go wrong here. So the way I'm approaching it from a DraftKings perspective is I'm backing into this week because we don't have enough. The Like all these guys have one thing in common, and it's that they haven't really been playing a lot recently. So we don't have a, a an extremely recent snapshot. Maybe Rom and Xander, they've played a little bit, and they've played well. So they're definitely on the list. But with Rory's talent, and he played for the first time last year and came in tied fifth. So, uh, well, he didn't have too much trouble on the greens, I guess. <laughs> no. Um, right, Justin Rose has won here as recently as last year. And I actually think he's going to have a better year this year than last year um, as a on the year as a whole. Tigers won seven times, as you already mentioned. Like, how, how do you go wrong here? The only one that gives me a little pause is Xander, who just made his first cut last year with a T25. So uh, to me, I don't think you can go wrong with any of those four players. I don't think there's a bad pick in any of those four players. Xander may be uh, a little, you might be pushing it with Xander a little bit for this week just because of that past record here. But uh, I'm, I'm definitely going to look at some of these lower options first, and I'm going to see what kind of lineups I can build, see what kind of room I have at the end. That's how I'm doing well, it. I, I completely agree with you in terms of, I would love to play all of these guys. I can't afford to. I right. uh, can't 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 get them all in my lineup. It is interesting with Xander, who literally went. I'm pretty sure to Tory Pines High School. He's from La Jolla. He's a local boy. Hasn't had much success out here on uh, on this course. But I think where I'm at is this. I love Rory. I love Rom. But Justin Rose, who is ten thousand three hundred, has had un- okay win last year. 8th in 2018, 4th in 2017, and then you look at his recent form, and he's been playing well, 5th place at the Hero, and then he played that Singapore Open, uh, yeah. I believe that was last week, 2nd place, yeah, right, 2nd place finish over there, like, this is a converging trend of playing well, great course history, and then here's where I'm at on this, Rose is 18-1, to Rory McIlroy is 6-1, to is Rory really three times as likely to win this golf tournament than Justin Rose is? Man, I, I don't, I don't think so. I think that's really strong odds. My only question about Justin Rose is he did play the Singapore Open last week. That means that he was in Singapore. Does that give you any pause <laughs> that he's got to fly back from Singapore? I have gone back and forth on this so much, and I've come out with I have no idea. <laughs> like I think. Yeah. I think each one of these guys kind of treats it differently. Some of these guys travel long distances more than others. I bet you some of their bodies react to it better than others. I've, I've almost stopped, um, 
trying to incorporate that because I'm having such a hard time figuring it out. So yeah, it's certainly like, I would love it if he was in uh, the California desert last week and just drove an hour and a half to Torrey Pines this week. Like I, I would prefer that, but I don't know, like it's hard for me to quantify how much that helps or hurts Justin Rose or yeah. any of these guys. Yeah. But you're right. I mean, maybe that's why the price is where it is, but I, I think you are making a great pick with Justin Rose and you're saving, say, a thousand dollars on a John Rom, right? So is it really worth yeah. that much to go? That's a tough one. I think you're looking at these guys. If there's somebody that you say, okay, John Rom's going to win this week, then you take John Rom or you look at some of these other options that are in your 9K, your 8K, your dark horses. If there are a few you like, build your team that way first. And then maybe there's, uh, okay, I have, wow, I, I liked a lot of dark horses. I have, uh, I have enough for Rory. So I'll take Rory. And, and you just kind of, I, I think I'm with you what you said originally. You're throwing darts here. Yeah. And, and, and to, to put a little, look at this from a, a betting, a betting lens. I mean, Rory's six to one. Rom is seven and a half to one. Those are the numbers that you would get on Rory or DJ at like the Canadian Open where they are the only guy in the field. He'd be like five or six to one. Really difficult for me to pay that where you've got now a much deeper field, uh, less likely that they would, like, it's just hard for me to pay it. I'll just go get Rory at five or six to one in a week where he's the only guy there. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. It's so expensive in a bet to win with a field like this, especially when we get down into some of these other ranges. There are a lot of guys that are yeah. able to win tournaments. I can't justify paying that. Could you bet Tiger? Could you bet Rose? Yes. Now, I do think you could take Rom or or, uh, or Rory in DraftKings if your lineup uh, gives you space. But I agree. I Bet to win, I don't like it. Yeah. All right. So th- that next tier, the 9K guys on DraftKings encompasses uh, Hideki Matsuyama, Ricky Fowler, uh, Gary Woodland, Tony Finau, Patrick Reed, Sung J M, and course history stud Jason Day at an even 9,000. So I'm getting the sense, Greg, that you probably like a lot of guys down here. There's probably a lot of guys in this range that you think can win this golf tournament. There are three guys that I really like. Uh, um, but you know, it's interesting. Can they win the tournament? I don't know. There are guys that I have question marks about. They may have a better chance at winning. So it's, this is a, it's a, this, this is kind of like a carrot on a stick range for me. I, I like a lot of it. I'm a little worried. So the guys I feel the strongest about, I, I think a Hideki Matsuyama, Gary Woodland, and Tony Finau are the guys I like the most in this, uh, to play really well. From a DraftKings perspective, I love these guys. They're not prolific winners. They're not guys that I'm going to say, hey, they has they have a real chance at winning. Like Tony Finau, he's kind of following in Ricky Fowler's footsteps here, right? He's he's got a little bit of a T5 in him, but at the same time, Tony Finau has a great record here. He's never finished outside the top 24. You at last year T13 and 18 T6. T4 in 2017, he's going to get himself a nickname like T5 soon. So um, <laughs> I, I do like paying 9300 for a Tony Finau. I, I think that's a that's a, a great choice. What do you think? I, I uh, know <laughs> – I have no bad words to say about Gary Woodland uh, or Tony Fina. I mean, Woodland specifically has the skill set that I love here, which is uh, long enough off the tee, very you know, long long guy, 
accurate off the tee, and that skill set has clearly translated into success around Tory. I mean, you mentioned it. He's got four straight top 20s coming into this. Uh, only Tony Finau probably has a, a better resume of, of, of cuts made and, and high finishes with those five straight top 24 finishes. It, I, here, here's what I think. Um, would you ever start your DraftKings lineups here? And, and just ignore everyone above, and you could start your lineups with Gary Woodland, Tony Finau, and go from there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But again, like I said, their 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 win likelihood is not necessarily great. I, I'd give them kind of a they, they're kind of a uh, they they have a how do I say this? If you're looking at football fantasy football, they would say, well, their ceiling is not really that high, but their floor is really high. And that's kind of yes. the way I look at Gary Woodland and Tony Fina. They have really high floors. So they're, they're going to be good, good players to have on your team. They're definitely, I would say, going to make the cut. Uh, very low missed cut risk. Um, they make birdies. So that's great. They have power. They have distance. All of that is great. Um, I just, I'm not sure if they're going to be able to win the tournament. Hideki, I probably give a little bit of a higher chance at winning the tournament here. He has a really good record too with a T12 and a T3. Would you start your lineup here? I, man, they're just so, the, the guys up top are just so good. I think you got to take one of them. You're throwing darts, but I think you got to put one of those guys on your team. Yeah, uh, because if you start there in the nines, uh, if any one of those top five wins the golf tournament, which, you know, right, when you talk about win equity, those guys probably own 40% of it in this field when you right. add it all up. Like, you're, you're flipping a coin, uh, as opposed to if one of those guys is gonna win it or not. So I don't know if I'll end up doing it, but I think it's interesting. Um, and then the, I think the most interesting guy, maybe in this entire field, is Jason Day at $9,000, who, you know, yeah. Missed the cut at Mayakoba, didn't play in the President's Cup, but everyone's going to look and say, oh my god, this guy's won it twice in the last five years. He's finished fifth last year. Like, I have no idea what Jason Day version we are getting in 2020. I... And usually early on guys, I like to give them the benefit of the doubt, bet them a couple weeks and try to be early on them. Uh, Jason Day is one of the guys I'm going to be late on because I got to see it, Greg. Like I, I have no clue. He could be the best player in the field. He could be the worst player in the field. I have, I have no pulse on, on, on J Day. I agree. It all comes down to injury. I mean, you got to think about it. Put this in perspective. Jason Day uh, has been looking forward to the President's Cup being in Australia for a lot more than one year. Just to put, like, he has, he has had that marked on his calendar for a long time. And to, to have to, have to pull off of that team because of injury speaks to how bad that injury was. And I just, I worry about his body. I, I don't worry about his talent. I don't worry about his ability. I don't worry about any of the statistical things in here. I mean, his iron play is his weakest, the weakest aspect of his game historically. Um, it, it tends to be the area where kind of it's, it's way below the Jason Day standard. But everything else is so good, he can still win tournaments. And you, you look at a place like Torrey Pines, especially the south course, you're going to miss greens. The best ball strikers are going to miss greens just because there are times where there's nowhere to land it. So the short game becomes crucial. And Jason, there's there's few better than Jason Day on and around the greens. So I, I love Jason Day, but I just can't trust that body right now. Yeah. 
I'm, I'm with you. Um, the 8K range. This is a grab bag. You can get anything you want here. You can get young guys like Colin Morikawa, Scotty Scheffler. You can get recent winners. Cam Smith coming off of a win. Joaquin Neiman winning already this season. You can get past champions. Brant Snedeker has won here twice. You can even get yourself a Jordan Spieth at $8,500. I, I think this is the range that the big money on DraftKings will be won or lost. Uh, anybody in here that's really piquing your interest? Well, so again, this all depends on the way you're going to, obviously, it, it depends on how you're going to formulate your lineup. Because you got a $1,000 range here, right? And I look at the top of this range, Morikawa, Scheffler, Smith, and, and Neiman, and they don't have a lot of course history. They have a lot of recent play that's been great. So, uh, and they're talented young players, what are their chances at a place? I mean, I think they have great chance, but you just don't know. So are you, you're going to be early on him. If you go, if you go with Scotty Scheffler here, you're going to be early on it. We don't know how his game's going to stack up. You would think it'd stack up well. He's a great player. He's already recorded what three top sevens this year already. So Scotty would be a great pick. Colin Morikawa, you can't go wrong. I mean, he's a, he's the kind of guy you could put on your team every week and it's never going to be a bad pick. He's that kind of player. And you're still early on him. He's in the $8,000 range. It, that is a really low price for a guy that talented. So, but, but we just don't have the course history. So there's a little bit of risk. These are risky guys that I think are going to be pretty, I think a lot of people are going to put these guys on their team because they've been near the top of the leaderboard a lot recently. I think they're going to have pretty high own percentages. What do you think? Yes, I think a lot of these guys are easy to plug in and they have uh, really good skill sets. Yes, I do think there's going to be some popular guys from this range. One of them um, that I'm not sure how popular he will be, but he will be popular with me, is is Cam Smith at 8,700. Uh, it's a weird thing in golf that we usually look back and say, okay, that guy was the best player in the world last week. I better not bet him again or I better not like uh roster him again on DraftKings, which is weird because yeah. you know we know it's hard to back up wins but that's like the only sport that we say wow this guy was awesome better not play him um right. but it's been two weeks for it's been two weeks for cam smith he didn't play the american express so hopefully he got all of his uh media obligations done but this is a guy who now has three straight top 33 finishes so 33rd three years ago 20th in 2018 and a top 10 last year yeah. plays long courses really well. And I, I do not think it's at all an exaggeration to say this is the best Cam Smith is playing in his career at a course that he has found success in, in the past. He's $8,700. And I think he's like 35. I've seen him at 40 to one to win this thing. And he just showed us he can do it two weeks ago. It, it's a, it's a great pick. It really is a great pick. Uh, it, it's hard because you don't expect lightning to strike twice in the same place. So is Camp Smith going to back it up? I mean, he, he very well could. There's a lot to like about him. And I do think still to harp on this, we've been harping on this all season. The president's cup was huge for him. I think he proved to himself in the most quiet of, of all the matches and the singles, this was the most quiet match, Cam Smith beating Justin Thomas. And it was so overlooked because the Americans won. And everybody forgot that Cam Smith just beat Justin Thomas, who was everybody was, was gushing over during the President's Cup, right? So Cam Smith, I think, knows in inside who he is. I think he knows how good he is. I think he's showing up prepared to win. So I do love that pick. One other guy that I really like in this range, and it's way down towards the bottom – which is kind of how I see this range. 
uh, is, but I do want to talk about Jordan Spieth, but before that, Ryan Palmer. Ryan Palmer's a guy I really like. Uh, I think he's been playing pretty well lately. So I'm, I'm definitely into that. And he has a pretty good record here too. I'm almost surprised at how low he's priced. I mean, you look at his last two finishes here, tied second in 18, tied 13th in 19. Uh, other than that, it's not a great record, but he had a, he, a couple missed cuts at tied 35th. So not too, not anything to write home about, um, before that, but it's a good record. It's a guy that's hitting the ball well. He was right there in contention at the Sony Open in tough conditions. Uh, he, he has a, a great swing, a great rhythm about him. He's got a calmness about him. I, I love his game. What do you think about him at 8,000? I, I like what a good ball striker he is. Uh, gains big off the tee, hits his approaches really well, and yeah, I mean, you're right. It's, it, it's, the price feels off for someone who, uh, you know, two starts in the last two years are a second and a thirteenth around Tory Pines. I mean, when you, when you look at it, he's a hundred dollars more than Francesco Molinari, who, I don't know how many weeks we'd have to go back, but like, that's a jarring number. 7,900 on, on Frankie Molinari, I'm like, I have no idea what to do with it, but I, I think you're right. Palmer is uh, certainly in an interesting spot here. I think he's going to be easy to plug into a lot of lineups. He's going to give you a, a lot of flexibility to go up, maybe get some of the more expensive guys. You don't have to worry about Palmer. Feels like one of the safer guys around here. Yeah, but now, I know you like the risky guys, right? You, you're, I do. You're a risk taker in this. So do you like a Jordan Spieth this week? Oh man, I'm not that risky. Um, here's, I just like, I, I know there's, there's like a handful of guys that, um, I'm going to need to see it. I mentioned it with Jason Day. Jordan Spieth is another one of these guys. I just hate that everything he does comes from the putter. And if he is going to continue to spray off the tee and miss fairways, it's going to be a short week around the South course specifically. It's just, it's so penal out there. I don't know how, like if you gave me someone who was a really good putter and was short off the tee, but accurate, like I'd prefer that profile of a golfer towards someone like Jordan Spieth, who is going to have to just, you know, put his brains out um, for four days to, to win this thing, or at least, or at least pay for himself. I don't know. 8,500 bucks. He'd probably have to come in. I don't know. T T 10. It bothers you that he's hitting 49% of his fairways at his 243rd on tour. That bothers you? Yeah. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, like the Fort Worth, the Fort Worth Invitational or whatever. Like, yeah, <laughs> that's not going to cut it here. Man, I, see, there's only one thing that sticks out in my mind about Jordan and it just, it has my interest peaked. Uh, and I hear all that you're saying and you're right. But I just think back to the PGA Championship last year. It's a very similar circumstance to me in that it's at a big ballpark with really thick rough and, um, and, and difficult conditions. And I'm just thinking Jordan was able to get kind of a, a backdoor third place finish out of that week, scrambling his tail off. Could he do that again? Because this is the kind of place where a scrambler can do well because the scores don't get that low, right? You can handle the par fives, scramble your way around a little bit. Uh, make some, some gritty pars and you could be right there in the mix. So, but it, it's an extremely high risk pick. Yeah. Um, seven case. I mentioned Frankie Molinari. I will probably continue to stay away from 
him at 7,900 and, uh, I certainly won't be, won't be betting on him after he, he didn't play all that well at the American Express, just never got anything going. Uh, he's never been known as the, the longest hitter on the PGA Tour and at a park like this, it, it might be difficult for him, but uh, I, I do think and there is a, a a strategy or a, a mindset out there that when you when you just kind of look at long term form and you look at someone over the course of the last eighteen months or two years or whatever it is and you know that they can pop and they can and when it does click for them they can be one of the best golfers in the world. Molinari fits that mold. I mean, he he at his peak um, can absolutely contend in this event. The problem is we just have not seen it in such a long time, Greg. You mentioned uh, Francesco Molinari last week, and I said yeah. that it's not a great golf course for him. Um, this one, I think, is a great golf course for him. I know his, he's not the longest hitter out there on tour, but he can be so steady tee to green. It it fits the mold perfectly because there's a penalty for rough, uh, and and he's long enough to where it, he's he's plenty long. I mean, there's he he's averaging 295 off the tee this year, so he's 125th on tour. That's not great. But it's plenty long. And so he can handle the golf course. He's a phenomenal ball striker when he gets it going. The statistics this year just, they just don't show that. And he, he's, it's so strange. It's almost like there's just not enough reps for him on the PGA tour to look at his stats and say they mean anything. But I, I think this is a great week for Francesco Molinari. It's risky because we did see him miss the cut last week, but I, I don't think he's a shootout kind of guy. I think he's a really hard golf course kind of guy, uh, like the API was last year. I mean, Bay Hill was brutal last year, and yeah. he took it to pieces. And I wouldn't be surprised to see him do it again. I, I'm I'm pretty high on Francesco Molinari this week. Okay, well we've uh, we've flip flopped positions on him, so we'll see. Um, yeah. This this range of golfers is generally. 50 to 1, 60 to 1, 70 to 1 in the, in the betting odds. And we're seeing that again this week. You mentioned, you think that this course, uh, brings in, uh, a lot of ways to win. Are, are we at the end of the type of guys that can win? Like, do, where do you draw the line on someone who can actually outright win this golf tournament? Man, see, this is, I, I'd like to draw the line at Francesco Molinari or Lonto Griffin. <laughs> okay. It's unlikely that Lonto wins, but, uh, he has, he did win the Houston Open, so I guess you gotta give him a chance. Um, Cam Champ has won before. It's hard to say that, and he's not a guy that I'm looking at picking this week, but he's a, he's a popper, right? He pops up for a week and can win when he's there. Cause if his game's on it, he has things that others just don't. So this is a, a trick or treat kind of a list when you get down here. Like we have Bubba Watson at 7,500. Bubba has the ability to win. Bubba's a guy you don't see finish tied fifth very often. Bubba is a guy you see um, playing on Thursday and Friday, and then you don't see him anymore. Or he's a guy you see holding a trophy at the end. That's the way that it seems to be for him. So can Bubba Watson get into contention and, and win here? He's won here before. Yeah. So it, it's hard to draw the line. These guys down here are just they're pop. They're they're just going to kind of pop up. And I think after that Bubba Watson Phil Mickelson thing, I even like a Keegan Bradley. I don't really like his chances. Maybe Cameron Davis. Maybe he's your guy this week. 
<laughs> I, I, I think there's a lot of good nuggets you just, you just threw out there. I mean, Keegan, I think is interesting from the standpoint of, uh, he's usually one of the best in total driving, which is your rank in, uh, driving accuracy, your yeah. rank in driving distance. Uh, you put those together. Keegan's usually near the top of the list and it kind of shows, uh, fourth place finish in 2017 here, a fifth in 2018 and he made the cut and finished 35th last year. So I think compared to some of these other guys, um, I would, I mean, I'm not like, I'm not sprinting to, to bet Keegan at 70 to 1 by any stretch of the imagination, but, um, I, I think he's probably better than some of his peers. Now here's, this is interesting, Greg. Uh, and you met, you talked about this with Greg cause he, or, uh, with Mark, excuse me, because he was your, his one and done pick last week. If Benny on just finished like T22 last week, he would have had a run of 6th, 8th, 14th, and then whatever he finished. And, like, those five straight birdies out of the gate or whatever he made, like, I feel like this guy would have been $9,000. Uh, instead, he's $7,700. He's priced at 60 to 1. He's one of the best, you know, tee to green players out here. Like, I, I kind of chuckled when I saw this number, and I don't know what to do with it. It He's a great pick. Ben On's a great pick. He's going to have a great year this year. I, I just... He is uh, a superstar. I just wonder if is there is there a hangover from last week, or is that something like is there a real problem with last week, or did he make a bad swing and then get distracted and lose his way? Was it just too much of a roller coaster to go from being five hundred through six to making an eight? Like was that just too much for him to handle, or are we going to see? Um, was was there a real problem? Did he hurt himself? Did he get something? Did something get out of whack in his swing? Did he hit a shot that spooked him? What like what? I don't know what happened. And so I I'm a little concerned with that because it was just last week. But at the same time, as talented as he is, I I don't hate taking a risk on him. I do think there's something interesting with that because we saw, and I, I don't even try to speculate to get into these guys' brains, but we, we also saw Ted Potter Jr., who was flying up the leaderboard on Saturday, ended his round with a triple and just didn't even look the same on Sunday, just kind of was in neutral for the rest of the day. And I do wonder if guys, you know, when things are going good and then they make a big number and they know it's a birdie fest and they know they probably just played themselves out of it, if it's hard for them to get back into it. Now, I would have to run a little psychoanalysis on every single player in the field and get their deepest, darkest secrets and all that stuff. But, um, I'm, I'm wonder, I'm hoping, I'm hoping, Greg, that Benny on was, is just, uh, hey, he got bored. He knew he was out of it and he just played his, his next two rounds and, and said, I'll see ya. I'll see you in La Jolla. But I guess we'll find out. Yeah, we'll find out. Let me tell you a story quick. I, I know we got to keep this yeah. thing moving here, but this story will not help with your psychoanalysis. It's a, <laughs> a story about Greg Norman. Everybody remembers Greg Norman um, losing a six-shot lead at the Masters. And people were wondering what happened on Sunday. How did you lose? You were hitting the ball better than anybody in the field. How could you lose that lead? And he said, well, you you say that I was hitting the ball better than anybody else, but you you don't know where I was aiming. I, so he went to see Butch a couple weeks before that, and Butch basically, basically said, uh, okay, so we, your swing is, this swing's messed up, and it's, we can't fix it in time before the Masters. So we're not going to change anything, we're just going to talk strategy. 
And basically what happened is in during those first three days, he would aim at the middle of the green and push it at a flag on the right and hit it to a foot and make a birdie. He'd, he'd aim at the middle of a green and, and hook it into a left flag accidentally. And it, he, he hit a shot into the trees, kicks out on number seven, and then he, he hits a great iron shot to a foot and makes a birdie. And all of a sudden, he was laying in bed at night on Saturday thinking, I mean, how long can I keep missing at the flag? Like, how long can I keep this up for? So you don't, the, the, and, and then on that day, he started aiming one way and the ball would go the other way. Instead of going towards the flag on Sunday, it went away from the flag and that's how he lost it. So it looked like he was playing great and then it, it just completely went away, but he was really kind of getting lucky in a sense. And so you don't know if a player, when they're shooting really good scores, if they're really playing really well or if they're just kind of, riding a hot streak where things are going their way. So it, that's kind of why this is so tricky with Ben on. But, I mean, I, if you want to bet his talent, I, I would not be afraid of it. Not I, there's, uh, It's a risk, but at his price, this is when you take that risk. Uh, that's a really good story because, as we know, golf is uh, probably more mental than it is physical uh, for the majority of it. So that is uh, that's good stuff. What's not good stuff is the 6K range on DraftKings, and now we are firmly into the long shots of this golf tournament. Uh, something like half of the DraftKings field is below $7,000, so you have a lot to pick from. Uh, yeah. I don't know how good it is, but there's a, a couple of names that, um, at least for me, you know, when you're down here, you're looking for a specific skill set or recent results or something like that. Um, Hank Lebioto. I believe they're actually pronouncing it Libiota, is $6,300. He's coming off a 17th place finish at the Amex. He had a 30th at the RSM and a third in Bermuda. Now, he's only played Torrey Pines once, which was a 29th place finish. So he's he's gotten around here. He's made the cut. Um, I, I certainly don't think he's going to win this golf tournament, but I looked up his, his top 10 number and see that he's 22 to 1 uh, to finish in the top 10, which captured an investment from me. And if you play Leb, Lebiota, excuse me, at 6,300, you are like, go to the top, go grab Rory, go grab Rom, and then start filling in the rest of your guys. Man, Lebiota is a guy who's very talented. Um, my concern with him, he, he, I think he's still a little bit, um, he, he wonders still if he should be out here. And he's a young player, very talented. He'll learn that he does belong out here. But I, there are times when he gets himself into contention and it kind of slips away. And I worry about that with him. So he's that kind of dark horse where you could pick him and he could break your heart in three holes. You know, you're checking your leaderboard. You're saying, oh, look, look how good Le- uh, is going to, he's doing great. I can't believe <laughs> Oh, wait, he just, he just bogeyed three holes in a row. And, miss- and so I, I have a little bit of concern with him. But that being said, we're in the 6,300 range. But, uh, in that, at that same price, the guy that I have in mind, if you're going to take a risk and go down this low, if you want to get Rory on your team and you're looking to take a chance down here, uh, Brandon Wu is the guy I'm, I'm looking at. He, he's a Stanford kid. Uh, I'm, I'm sure that he knows the golf course. He's a, an extremely talented young player who uh, made the cut at the Masters last year, actually missed graduation at Stanford because he made the cut at the U.S. Open. And uh, so they actually brought him his diploma on the 18th green at Pebble last year, which is pretty cool. Um, so Brandon Wu is a guy that I think if you'd like to be early on a guy, take a chance on Brandon Wu, probably not to win, but in a, in a DraftKings lineup. 
Yeah, it's so interesting because like a lot of these guys are going to make the cut. Just like math says that these guys, like some of these guys have to make the cut and that's really all you're asking for them to do to give you access to the top end of this. So, um, as, as much as time as like, you know, you could, we could spend a whole hour on the 6k guys, but they are almost just as valuable because they're going to allow you to get the Rory's and the ROMs of the world. Now, let me ask you this. Cause I'm not sure we've ever talked about this and it, it, relates to Robert Streb, who is 6,200, and he's missed three straight cuts coming in, but he's made four straight cuts at Torrey Pines, including a ninth place finish three years ago. So I guess my question or the thing I want to uh, chat about is if you only have one recent form versus course history, like, is it possible that a guy who's not playing well gets back to a place that he's had a lot of success at and all of a sudden the game clicks for him? Well, it, you bring up an interesting point. You look at Andrew Landry last week, a guy, a play, a guy who was coming off five missed cuts in a row. So while recent form is something we really like, um, it, it, it's only part of the story here, right? And recent success at a golf course is very important. So you look at him at the RSM, the Sony and the American Express. Well, you can make some excuses for all of those rounds. I don't like the 76 in the second round at the American Express. I don't like the pair of 75s at the Sony, although they're really hard. It was really tough conditions out there. That's the kind of the excuse that I'm talking about. So you can work your way around it. Can a golf course bring back some some good form? It can, but this is a tough one to do it on. I mean, I look at I look yeah. at Robert Strab, 56% driving accuracy. I mean, I just there are some guys where I can find. This is the thing about this range, right? We're just looking for a little nugget. I just need something to cling on to. He's made four straight cuts here. Yeah, but I don't have anything recently, right? He's 115th in stroke skate off the tee, 115th stroke skate approach the green, 191st around the green, 152nd putting, uh, 165th tee to green. Like, there's just, there's nothing for me to, to cling to. So I have a That's hard a lot time of triple digits. One, right? It's all triple digits. There's nothing inside yeah. double digits. So, that is one that, for me, I'm staying away from. Um, but, you know, if you look at a guy like Tom Hoagie, who is a little yeah. bit more expensive, he's 6,900. Uh, he was part of, uh, I, I mentioned him last week, and he had a great week. So I definitely, I'm in the Tom Hoagie fan club right now. Um, he had a tied six last week, tied 12th at the Sony. And he's a guy that has, in this range, like he's got something for me to cling to. This is why I bring him up. 19th strokes gain approach to green. He's got a little bit of recent form. He's 39th tee to green, 50th putting. Like these are, these are pretty good. He's making 4.2 birdies around. I, I can kind of live with those numbers at that price. You know what I mean? And he finished 12th here two years ago. So, uh, Tom Hoagie definitely has some nuggets down here in this nugget range. Um, yeah, I like it. I mean, I'm, I will probably, I don't know how I'll, how I'll construct lineups, uh, a little early in the week. I haven't, I haven't started yet, but, um, I, I think that more balanced approach or, or then trying to go get Rory and, and Robert Schreb or whatever it is, like I'm going to have to hash that out, but, uh, there are at least, yeah, Hoagie's probably a pretty good option down here in the sevens. Yeah, I, I agree. All right. Um, here's what I want to do. Uh, we kind of inter, interwove the, the betting odds throughout this. Now I'm actually a believer that, 
I don't know how many guys can win this. Like I, I think that we've seen a lot of studs uh, in recent memory win this with the, you know, the the Rom, the the Rose, uh, Jason Day twice, Snedeker won that really windy one where the whole world turned sideways, and you know his one under par or whatever it was in the final round was was good enough. So I, I'm trying to just get as many of the top guys that I want, and uh, it will not surprise you. Uh, based on what I said earlier, Greg, is I've avoided the very, very top here. Um, and I, I've already bet both of, uh, Justin Rose and, uh, Gary Woodland. And I got them at, I believe, Rose is 18 and Woodland at 22. And I basically did that, um, as it, as an alternative to just betting Rory which is kind of the other option I was going to have. So I took my two guys and their win equity and said I'd rather have that than just one guy and Rory's win equity. I, I like it because the the problem with Rory is that he hasn't been playing. So we haven't seen him. So is the time off going to be a really good thing? Is he going to come back refreshed and dominate the world? Maybe. But he could also come out really rusty. And so there, there's a risk with him. And I think the odds are, I don't, I don't think it's a, it's a great price on Rory McElroy. I don't mind paying those kind of odds, but again, I need a little bit of recent form. I need some, like, I need to know, I, I need to feel like I know that Rory's playing really well. So I have a little bit of concerns with him and Rom is much of the same. While I know he's going to play well, you know, I mean, we haven't seen him recently, recently. I, I just, I have some questions about Rom still winning this tournament. I, I do like Rom before Rory. Um, I probably would throw Woods into that same level with, uh, with Rom. And I, I, I really, I don't hate your Justin Rose and Gary Woodland pick. I'm not a, I, I think Woods and I think Rose in the, in that top guys are probably the two guys that I would lean towards. Um, and I wouldn't be afraid of Hideki Matsuyama in the 9K range. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, those names right there. I mean, Hideki, Justin Rose. Uh, I, I just don't think they're three, you know, a, a, three times less likely than Rory McIlroy is to win this golf tournament, which is what these odds want you to believe. So uh, as much as I love Rory, you know, even if he only wins it two times as much or twice as much, it's, uh, it's not enough. Anybody else you're willing. Oh, I was just going to say at the same time, like that's not the way the the game is played on odds kind of, but there's only one, the only, (laughs) you know what I mean? So that's the, that's the challenge with, with the odds here. So I, I, it's hard for me. If Rory had been playing a little bit more, I think I I would really be uh, quite fond of him. But the rust just, just scares me a little bit. Yeah, that's why picking outright winners is so difficult. Because if you play that tournament last week a thousand times, uh, Andrew Landry might have gotten his one win, uh, he like he did last week, and that might have been his only one. Uh, yeah. But hey, that's why we don't do it in spreadsheets. We do it on the course, Greg. That's right on the grass. Let's let's do this. Uh, one and done picks. Uh, I believe you guys went through the standings last week. Obviously, very early. There's like 40 tournaments left, uh, and plenty of money still to be won. Um, I will continue on brand here and just roster uh, Justin Rose in the one and done because my thoughts are this: playing well coming in, fifth and a second. Obviously, great here at Tory. 
I'm hoping he flies under the radar a little bit and, and someone just goes and plays, um, you know, like go pick, there, there's going to be a lot of Woodland. There's going to be a lot of Finau picks. I think Jason Day, despite the recent form, like I think he could get, uh, picked here because of his elite course history. I'm just trying to find the best player I can that I think is going to fly under the radar. Man, um, the thing with Rosie, and I, I love the pick. It's just a, it's a one and done league. And he's a guy I want to have in my arsenal when it comes to Augusta National. I know he missed the cut last year, but he has a great record there, right? So I, when I look at majors, I know, you, I know everybody's going to say, well, I want to pick Tiger at the Masters, but what if Tiger's hurt, right? What if he can't play? You need, you need to have backup arsenal. I, to me, and I, Justin Rose is in that core group of guys that I could play in any major. And feel really good about it going in. So I, for that reason, I'm going to stay away from him. And there's also there's so many other guys here to to love. Yeah, the thing. I mean, you're you're absolutely right. So I was trying to figure out uh, where I'd want to play Rosie, right? And and when you are kind of bookmarking the bigger events, um, you know, like everyone kind of is like, okay, I've got Brooks, I've got Rory, I've got Rom, I've got JT, I've got Dustin, I've got Tiger. Like I just named six guys and I've got four majors, right? So I've got uh, yep. four majors, maybe a couple WGCs, and then you start getting into like, okay, Rose is probably that next guy that's, yeah, he's in that that pod of golfers that you would want to deploy in a really big spot. So that was... I don't disagree with that, but when he's like the last name on my list and, and I get to use him here, um, I think I'm okay with it. I don't know. Yeah. I might, well, I don't, I don't hate five the days. I might hate strategy. myself. <laughs> Here's the, the thing is that the list is ever changing, right? We look at the world golf rankings yep. now, but they, they haven't like, we're calling this the unofficial start of the season. So that list is uh, unofficial. My projection for Rosie is that he's going to have a great year for that. Re- this may be a great pick. Cause I do think he's going to have a great year. Uh, and this could be kind of where he elevates that status. And then, so he'll make you happy because you get a win out of him and he's in your one and done league. Uh, and I'm happy because he looks better at, in one of the, you know, he, it gives me a little bit more backing when it comes to choosing him in a world golf championship or, um, or a major. So I, I can understand that. I, I think the guy for me this week is probably Tony Fino. I, I feel really good about Tony this week. Um, I, I think that's where I'm going. Tony Finau. Um, when's Tony gonna win? I mean, I guess you think it's this week, but like, when is Tony? When's Tony gonna win? I I don't know. <laughs> like I said if earlier, we knew, this if is we T5, knew, we'd make right? a lot of money on it. <laughs> that's right. He, he's the next T five. So is he gonna win? I don't. But that's why I'm okay. That's why I'm comfortable picking him right now. I don't feel like I'm gonna really be missing out on Tony Finau, even if he's in a field where he's the the favorite yeah. in a field this year. He, he which probably gonna, won't it, happen. It probably won't, and he's probably not going to win that tournament, right? So, uh, like John Rahm, when he's the favorite, when he's in, when he's playing in the Spanish Open, and he's the best player in the field, everybody knows that he wins because John Rahm's a winner. Yeah. Tony Finau, I feel like that isn't quite there at this point. He's not that guy, which is okay. But I, I think he's going to play really well, and I, I, I'm in this place now. I'm in third place in the standings. I want to, I want to keep up. And I, you mentioned how much golf there is left to be played. And my thing, just, this is, this is my, and it's Jack Nicholas's birthday. So I'll give him a little load here. Happy birthday, Jack. This is, Jack, just stay around. Just be there for Sunday. Hang around. So that's kind of, I think Tony's going to keep me hanging around. Not, no miscuts. Yep. 
hang around. I I definitely think you are going to get uh you're going to get six figures from Tony whether that's 100,000 or whether it gets you uh, you know 900,000 when he finishes second or whatever that number is you're but yeah I no do seven. I do think you're going to well, there's only one guy who gets seven this week, I think. So uh, he's gonna have to win. Um, but I think I, I do think he gets you. He gets you money. He's been so so great around here. Greg, uh, this is as we mentioned, big week. Um, PGA merchandise show, first cut. They're on the road. We're down there. We've got representation down in Florida. Uh, Kyle Porter and Mark Immelman are coming on the pod from the show floor tomorrow. What do you think about that? It's so exciting. And I've been on the uh, on the show floor. I've done uh, a radio show for Sirius XM on the floor, and it's exhilarating. I mean, there's just so many people around. There's an energy. There's a buzz. The cool thing that they're going to get to experience is doing it face-to-face. Uh, they'll, they'll be together. Yeah. So I think you're going to get a lot of banter back and forth. There won't be a lot of talking over one another. They're, they're going to know where each other's go. And that just adds to the energy. It'll allow them to really let loose. It's, uh, the, the energy down there, even from a listener perspective, it's, it's crazy. It's unlike anything else. So it's, it's a must listen. Now, I assume it's going to be loud. Is producer Jacob going to have his work cut out for him, uh, making sure that audio quality is good? It depends on where they are. I mean, if they're <laughs> sitting at the, uh, you know, in, in the middle of, at booth number 208 and they're right in the middle of all the action, it'll be really loud. But there are some opportunities to kind of get off to an edge or a side. Um, like we in the past when I've done it, we've been in the Titleist booth on the second floor up there. And it's kind of a little bit quieter because you're at the end and up. But we're also bright and early in the morning. Right. We were doing it from mm. eight to ten. So it's a little bit quieter in that time. But if they're in the middle, it'll be really loud. But there are some opportunities to get to the edges. And that's going to be up to our, our fearless leader, Jacob. Well, um, we've, we've teamed up with Supreme Golf. So if you're, uh, if you're in town, if you're at the merchandise show, don't be afraid. Come say hello. Uh, I will be saying hello to Mark Immelman in person. First time, uh, down here at Tory because this is the PGA Tour returning to CBS. So, uh, Mark will be on the call. It's going to be a lot of fun. We should be getting a lot of great insight from him. I'm looking forward to that. You know, finally, you mentioned it, getting to see these guys in person, getting to chat with everybody. Uh, it's, it's just that much better. Well, we got to talk before the show a little bit about your game. And what I can tell you is go play after watching these guys because they, they just, they have a way about them that make it look so easy. And your confidence is going to spike just from seeing them in person because you're going to say, Hey, I, I think. You know, I, I can, I can do that. That looks so easy. And your tempo will get a little bit better. It's a great time to go play. Unless, of course, you have a member guest coming up and you're trying to get that, creep that handicap up a little bit. <laughs> you, you do not have to convince me to, uh, go out and play an extra round of golf. I can certainly do that. And then, of course, uh, the 2020 debut of Mr. Tiger Woods, his first start since the Zozo. Let's do this. How many events do we have to wait until Tiger breaks Sam Snead's record? Oh, man. Are we going to set an over-under here? Let's see. Yeah, let's think about this. So he's got this so week. Let, let's uh, look at this. He's got this week. He's got the Genesis, right? I got yep, so to pull the schedule That's in a couple weeks. Uh, then if you assume he goes to WGC Mexico, um, Honda, I don't know if that will be on the schedule, API the week after. Yeah. There's no way he plays Honda. Cause if he plays yeah, that's, Honda, that's then he's gotta golf. go eight, 
he's he's going to go yeah. WGC Honda API players. There's he's not going to do four no four in a row. He's not going to do three in a row. And I think he because of the Olympics has to play Mexico. Um, I, I yeah. I don't think it's going to be this week. I just don't. I, I would love to see it, obviously, but I, I think it's probably um, probably the API. And if it wasn't the API, then I would say he's probably. I I really like him at the match play. Okay, the match play would be like approximately six events for him. The Masters would probably be his seventh, something like that, depending on how the schedule shakes out. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's going to be sooner rather than later, right? Like, I think we're both on the page, on the same page there. Like this, this, this uh, eighty-two, I don't think hangs around very long. I don't either. I mean, I think there are a lot of you got this week, which is a great opportunity. I think Mexico could actually be a pretty good opportunity. I don't necessarily love the chances. We're forgetting about Genesis, and and that's because he hasn't won at Riviera. But this is a year of first, right? He he won <laughs> a major, so he's got the Olympics coming up. He's trying to get into. I wouldn't be surprised if it happened at the Genesis, even though there's no backing, there's no evidence that would support it. So I, every time he tees it up right now, at the way that it is now, he's going to have a chance of winning. So I got to say, it's in, inside the first seven. All right. That'll do it. Booth number 1063 at the PGA Merchandise Show. Don't be afraid to stop by. Don't be afraid to leave a five-star rating and review on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcast. I want to thank Greg Ducharme for joining me today. You can find him on Twitter. He is at TheRealGFD. I'm Rick Gaiman. You can find me on Twitter. It's at RickRunGood. And we'll talk to you next time. 